They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Jenna Shepherd, an early career teacher, figuring it all out. The Teaching Village podcast is a platform for new teachers to learn tips and tricks from education's experts, have conversations about everyday teaching, develop strategies that help us navigate our new environment, and learn more about those in our own teaching community. As promised, here is Libby's bonus part two to her perspectives on early career teaching. This part is all about what Libby has learned over the last two years since beginning her teaching journey. She is open and honest in her thoughts and offers an insightful view on some of the supports we can provide our early career teachers who are currently making their way through. Enjoy. I want to talk about having mentors as well. Do you have a mentor, Libby? I don't have a formal mentor. There's there's a couple of people who definitely come to mind who I see as a mentor and in that capacity. I think, and I that, think that that still stands. I think that yeah. And I think if mentor. I spoke to them and said, you know, would you be happy to be my mentor? I think they would probably turn around and say, well, you know, I, I think you probably already have been. But <laughs> I think there's you know we're very lucky to work in a place where you know ultimately people do want to help each other out. So. I've definitely got a few people who I see absolutely mm. as mentors and, you know, they are often my go-to and some of them are not necessarily in a mentor capacity but they might yep. be in a leadership capacity. And and I think when they're in a leadership capacity, they are almost um, automatically a mentor, I suppose, mm. because they become my go-to and I think we're so lucky that the leaders we work with are mm. so approachable that that actually that becomes a really easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really, really important. But I've got, you know, there's definitely some people who I see not in the area of school mm-hmm. that I am who I go to for advice and I go to for a conversation. And, you know, sometimes it's even just to eat lunch with a different person. Yeah. But I think I think we are really lucky with with our workplace. But I do I do definitely see some people who have been influential um, mm-hmm. in you know, a lot of the ways that I run the classroom and a lot of the the things that I'm doing, which has been really, really helpful. But I definitely have a few people who I I see as a mentor to me. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you for that little extra question that I added in on that one. So Libby, my second, my penultimate question, my second last (laughs) question, how do you deal with negative feedback and conflict? Because I think as an early career teacher, conflict and negative feedback is something that either we take like quite personally, not that we intend to, but just because we're so fresh and we don't understand maybe the workplace bureaucracy or politics, or we don't understand the environment necessarily as as somebody who's been there for a while. It's such a hard one. I I think with negative feedback, I'm getting better at this because my big thing is I want to do the right thing and I want to do a good job. So ultimately, it's not an easy conversation to have when you receive negative feedback. But I think the first thing, I suppose, dot point number one, understanding for me that the staff who I work with are so supportive that feedback is given for genuine and productive reasons and it's given to help and not hinder. So I think that's the biggest mindset change for me is that previously I've taken it, you know, I've been sensitive to the conversation, Mm. but I think having an understanding of why feedback is given and I think as teachers we have to give feedback all the time Mm -hmm. so really we should be able to receive feedback as well so that's kind of a mindset shift that I've Mm -hmm. you know been trying to work on and I think I'm definitely getting better with it 
So then with conflict, I think this is also something I'm getting better at. And I've done a few PDs which have included conflict resolution as part of their programs, and I think that's definitely helped. But I suppose the main part there is that what I've learned with conflict resolution is having a plan and being prepared about how to enter that conversation has been really helpful advice that's been given to me. And then also the last one is just to stay calm because if I'm not calm in those situations, that's portrayed and the students see that and it doesn't help any situation. If anything, it only escalates it. So making it a really active effort to stay calm in, you know, the delivery, stay calm in in the conversation and really, I suppose, direct the way a conflict resolution conversation happens. Beautiful. And so just to clarify, those last two points were sort of when you're engaging in potentially conflict with a student. If you've Yeah, got with student... students, often parents as well. You know, no parent wants to hear that their child has done something wrong or their child has been in a situation. So they're often delicate conversations to have. And, and that's why I think, you know, staying calm and, and having a plan, especially if you're on a phone call with a parent, you know, if you don't have a plan or you're not prepared for the conversation, you don't want to be, you know, either promising or saying something that might not be the way you want the conversation to go. Are you a fan of the sandwich approach to feedback when it comes to dealing with both parents and students? Do you like to positive feedback, negative feedback, positive feedback? Sometimes if if we're talking about a student, for instance, sometimes if a student has been doing a really good job with everything and it's an isolated incident, then potentially the sandwich is is a great a great plan because you can you can talk to their behavior how positive it's been. Yeah. And and you can open with a really positive, you know, conversation. But then you can add in the area that needs improvement or the situation that may have arisen. And then again you can finish with the way that they've been so positive. So I think if it's an isolated incident, potentially the sandwich is, mm. is the way to go. Guess if it does get more complicated, though, I think early career teachers, I think the best sort of advice is to seek out the help from somebody 100%. who yeah, has had 100%. experience in that and definitely don't do something that you're not comfortable with. So yeah. if you are feeling confused or like you're out of your element, definitely go to somebody who you trust or who is who is more senior and has, has the experience like your deputy head or your head of department or something like 100%. that, or even your principal, if you feel comfortable, just so that they are aware of the situation and they can provide a bit of insight. And it might even, if it's a repeated behaviour from a student, it might be a sign or symptom of something a bit bigger that you might not be aware of. So I yeah. think it's it's definitely, if it, if it continues to happen, early career teachers should not feel like they need to deal with it on their own. No, and I also don't think, one thing that I learned as well, you don't have to have the answer to everything all the time. And where this cropped up a couple of times was in parent-teacher interviews. You know, if the parent asked something or brought up a situation that you're not prepared for, mm. I think what I found was really helpful was saying to the parent, you know, basically, I don't have the answer to that right now, mm-hmm. but if you provide me with some clarification on what you're, what you're wanting to address, and then I actually had the opportunity to go and see, you know, a, a leader or a senior staff member discuss that issue and then come back to the parent with a plan and be prepared. Mm-hmm. And I think... I just think it's important that you don't have to have the answer to every single thing yeah. 
all the time because I think if you try and do that, then, you know, you do risk saying the wrong thing or or just not handling the conversation. It's saying something that you didn't necessarily mean to say or yeah, completely coming out not necessarily the right way because you've worked yourself up or whatever. Yeah, um, because you want to address it at the time. You want to you want to make sure the parents are yeah. happy and the students are happy. But ultimately, if I'm not prepared and if I don't have all the, mm. you know, all the tools and resources to have that conversation, I think yeah. that was a really, yeah, one thing that I really learned. And it was actually um, one of our DEP heads who taught me that in our first year with parent-teacher interviews. Mm was that it's okay to say, let me come back to you. also just helps you get some distance and some perspective on the situation Absolutely. and on the on the question as well. Yeah. And I think that and just kind support, of flows. Just support and help with it too. And I think that flows really nicely into your sort of advice on <laughs> staying calm as well because perspective gives you that distance that you can kind of go into a conversation with a bit more a bit more calm. Mm. And and yeah. with the parent teacher interviews, it allowed the parent to it allowed them the time to explain their situation mm. without trying to necessarily get a resolution in that moment. Yeah. And and they had they had the floor, they had the they had the time, mm. they could, you know, they could basically leave the conversation knowing yeah. that they've told me what they wanted to tell me. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, Libby, our last question, what is your <laughs> advice for people just starting their teaching journey? My biggest one, which I think has helped me the most, is relationships are important. Yeah. And that's with with your students, with your staff, with parents. I think relationships are really important and they do take time. They don't happen overnight. And I think putting the time in mm -hmm. to build good relationships, I think, is really important. Um, Amazing. Me too. Having support staff around you, I think, also has been a massive one for me. You need people to brainstorm, bounce ideas off. You know, you need to have someone who you're comfortable or, or multiple people who you're comfortable seeking advice from. Number three, I would say have confidence in your ability and that it's okay to make mistakes. Learn from those mistakes. But, you know, ultimately you're you're there, you're their teacher. It's your classroom have confidence in what you're doing. Number four, I think probably I would say you take what you want from experts. So whether or not that's PDs or, or you know, PD days, books. So the one that I'm really keen to read being The Running of the Room Companion, the Tom Bennett one. I've got another one, which is called Stop Talking, Start Influencing mm -hmm. by Jared Cooney. So I think, you know, do some research, learn from the experts, listen to the Teaching Village podcast. But I think then the last one is, you know, to have have things that you like for you. So I don't think work can be 100% of the time. Mm. So you need to have, you know, hobbies or or things that you like doing for you. Yeah. So, like, for me, I love, as I said at the start, I love my family and I love activities mm. and, and, you know, outdoorsy things. And that's what I do for me. Like, I love going and having a round of golf. Yeah. And I think it's really important to have you time. Mm whatever that may be. I love that. Thank you so much, Libby, for taking the time on your Sunday to spend with me recording. It was an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. And that's part two. If you would like to listen to part one, I have linked it in the show notes below with all the links mentioned. 
I wanted to take this opportunity to remind you all about Coaching Focus's Leadership Exchange run by Janine Stratford. It is less than a month away on March the 22nd from 5.30 till 8.30pm at the Brighton Beach Hotel. And it is a wonderful opportunity for teachers of all levels of experience and disciplines to chat and network with others in the field. I will be speaking about all things early career teaching, and I am joining Donna Davies, who will be talking about navigating the pressures of adolescence, strategies for supporting students, staff, and parent well-being. And I'm super excited. I will leave links to tickets in the show notes below if you would like to come along. Bye. This interview was recorded on the land of the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, of which I pay my respects to Elders past and present. I extend this respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders across Australia.